In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. One thing I, I mention fairly frequently in preaching is the idea of new creation. And today's lessons provide an opportunity to reflect on just what we mean when we talk about new creation. The epistle ends with St. Paul telling us, quote, It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this reference, God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, is a reference to the first two verses of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which say, quote, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So St. Paul is referring back to this initial act, darkness, and God says, let there be light, and light shines in the darkness at the very beginning. Just as God caused light to shine in the darkness to begin his creative work, and so the light of Christ shines in the darkness of our hearts, bringing new life into the darkness caused by sin. We should make a note on Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, when God says, let there be light. It's noteworthy in looking at Genesis that God does not create the sun or the moon until Genesis chapter 1, verse 16. So there is a light that precedes the natural light that God uh, created to illuminate the created world. And that pre-existent light is Christ. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John's gospel, he's not merely speaking metaphorically of, of being like that light that God uses, but being actually that light that shone in the beginning. The epistle talks about spiritual blindness. Quote, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. As John 1.4 says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. Not everybody sees the light that shines. Thus, evangelism is not just a matter of explaining Jesus to people. It's a matter of healing spiritual blindness. Conversion happens when those who are blind are enabled to see the truth. The light of God begins to shine in a way that they perceive it. We can understand the call of St. Matthew, our patron saint, through this lens of new creation. As Jesus commands Matthew to follow me, he is calling Matthew out of the darkness of his former manner of life into the light of discipleship. <clears throat> Matthew obeys the call to follow, and his obedience is an important part of this process of new creation. The original creation which God made 
and about which he said it is good, was marred by human disobedience. And if we observe sort of a larger picture of Genesis, what happens in Genesis is God makes the world and he brings this order and beauty out of the chaos, just in the beginning. That order and beauty is marred by human sin and disobedience. And what happens subsequently in Genesis is the creation descends back into chaos. And the ultimate reversion in Genesis is the flood of Noah. The earth is once again covered in water just like it was at the very beginning before God spoke and before the light shined. Thus the new creation begins when this human disobedience is reversed. When fallen humans hear God's word and begin to obey, the light of Christ begins to shine and God's creative process begins anew. The first act of human obedience in the New Testament, we should note, is that of Mary, who hears God's word through the message of an angel and says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And through her obedience, the light of the world comes to actually dwell within her biologically. And our own process of conversion mirrors this. As we obey Christ, as we follow him, his light begins to take up residency within us through the Holy Spirit. It shines from God into us and then from us out into the world. New creation is a process. There are essentially two models for conversion in the New Testament. One model is the sudden dramatic conversion and this is epitomized by St. Paul on the road to Damascus. He is heading to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him in a sudden flash of light, and Paul falls from his horse, sees Christ, rises up, is baptized, and immediately begins a transformed manner of life. The other model for conversion is the more gradual model where people more slowly come to see who Jesus is and understand the implications of his life and teaching for their lives. And this is essentially almost all the other apostles, including Matthew. Matthew's conversion follows a gradual process. Jesus says, follow me. And while Matthew immediately left his tax collecting business behind, he began to follow Jesus in a path where he wasn't that certain who he was yet. I think he assumed he was the Messiah. But if we watch the New Testament, read the New Testament closely, we'll see the disciples grow in their knowledge of who Jesus is and of their knowledge of the implications of what that means, most specifically growing in the, in the understanding of what it means to, to take up one's cross, that the Messiah is going to die and following him also involves a certain process of death. So we can say that in this light imagery, as Matthew followed Jesus, the light shined ever more brightly in his life, and the darkness slowly vanished. And that's a pattern for most of us as well. There are a few people who have uh, St. Paul-like conversions, but even then, uh, there usually is a gradual, extended, lifelong process of coming to know Jesus 
who he is and the implications of who he is for our lives. And so we die gradually to our old disordered way of living and we come in more and more into the light that is Christ. And this is how we really understand our weekly participation in the liturgy. The liturgy is about growing more and more into that who we really are. Coming to see Christ, leaving our darkness behind, coming into the light and seeing more and more the glory of God shining in the face of Jesus. The theme of the conversion of Matthew is money. He left his lucrative tax business to follow Jesus. And our statue of St. Matthew, not everyone knows that that's St. Matthew, so we should let everyone, visitors know. We used to have the chapel kids come in. I'd say, who is that? They'd say Jesus, or they'd, you know, they'd guess. But that's, that's Matthew. And at his feet are the coins that represent the tax-collecting business he's left behind uh, to take up his pen and write his gospel. So it, it symbolizes this conversion. And the colic then applies this transformation to us. It says, quote, grant us grace to forsake all covetous desires and inordinate love of riches and to follow the same thy son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For this reason, St. Matthew is the perfect patron saint for a church in Newport Beach or indeed anywhere in our culture. His call to walk away from money speaks to our cultural manner of life and the call that Jesus places on us to walk away from that priority of money, that manner of life in which everything is assessed, its values assessed in monetary terms. And God's will will be considered only after discover that it will pencil out. Most of us are not called to leave our current professions when we are called to follow Jesus, but we are all called to commit our money to God. And the ways we do this in the life of discipleship are through the practice of tithing and the overall disposition of generosity. <clears throat> we tithe when we give the first part of our income, the first tenth, back to God. And this acknowledges, this is our acknowledgement to God that everything we have belongs to him. We say, thank you for your gift. And this token acknowledgement of giving back what he has given us. And then in exchange, God puts his blessing upon the rest and makes it sufficient to meet our needs. And there's also another transfer in this process. The great anxiety, the is present in the world is often about money. As Jesus said, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How are we going to get clothing? How are we going to do this? And it doesn't change, the anxiety doesn't change if you have more money. Only the things you're anxious about, money-wise, change. When we commit our finances to God, we also commit our anxiety to God. We trust God with our stuff. And we receive back from God his peace, his provision, his peace. We can trust him to take care of our needs. And he gives us his peace in the place of the anxiety that comes from the world. <clears throat> Generosity as a general disposition is the virtue that connects to money. We are called to live life in a way that is always ready to give. 
always ready to share with others in accordance with our ability and with, in accordance with our gifts. And this is not always monetary. <clears throat> but the idea is that just as God, who is full, who has everything, generously shares out of his abundance with us, so we who receive God's grace spiritually and God's monetary benefits are called out of our abundance to share with others. And this is the disposition of life. The world operates on an economy of scarceness that says, if I give something to you, I have less and you have more. In the economy of God, it is abundance. He, God gives and God is not diminished by his giving. When we come to know Christ, we become full. And as we give, we are increased as well as those we give to. As St. Paul wrote to his disciple Timothy, quote, <clears throat> Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. As Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.